And welcome everybody to another episode of the Animated Cast. Once again, to the Animated Cast. This, of course, is the podcast that's dedicated to the animated television series and Animaniacs, as well as other shows within the Rugerverse, such as Tiny Toon Adventures, Pinky in the Brain, and Regazoid. But today we are having a very special episode because it's post Thanksgiving, pre holiday, and probably current holiday shopping. But today we are going to go back in time to. November 3rd through 5th uh, over in Minneapolis for Twin Cities Con. Uh, I was lucky enough to travel with Tom Ruger and Paul Rugg up to Minnesota for an amazing convention over there. Twin Cities Con. What a fun time we had. Um, I got to say, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for Twin Cities Con for having us up there. It was a blast. The, The people in the Twin Cities area were just amazing. Uh, I was lucky enough to sit with uh, Tom once again at his table and just got to meet and talk with Animaniacs fans and just animation fans in general all weekend. And we also had the opportunity, I should say, to take part in some panels. We had a Freakazoid panel that I got to moderate uh, and an Animaniacs one as well. There's also a Wes Johnson uh, panel called oh gosh what was that thing called it was the it was the uh, voice of palooza yeah boy oh boy lots of stuff so you know we had over you know three hours of audio when all when all was said and done today i'm going to show uh to share with you i should say the highlights or some of the highlights of those panels um really a blast to take part of uh, and I wanted to make sure that I shared some with you because it was a ton of fun. Again, I cannot say enough about the, the folks over at Twin Cities uh, Con. They were really so supportive and just really know how to treat guests so well. And the people of uh, the Minnesota area, just amazing as well. It was just, I don't know, it was a blast. It was definitely one of the highlights of all the conventions that I've ever been to. And I hope to... Head up there soon again someday. Um, But if you would like the opportunity to meet Tom and Paul, and maybe you don't live in the Minnesota area, but maybe you're down in the, oh, I don't know, the southeast, say around central Florida, well, you're in luck because they're going to be going to Central Florida Con. Yeah, that's January 20th and 21st. Okay, and that's going to be in Lakeland, Florida. So if you're in the area at all in January, please come out, say hi to Tom and Paul, and I will most likely be there too, hanging out with them once again. And it's a blast. So, uh, and there'll be more conventions, of course, in the future. So check out watertowertalent.com for all that kind of information. And if there's a convention that you would like them to go to, well, you can let watertowertalent at gmail.com know, or just let your convention know that you really want Tom and Paul, because honestly, that's the best way to do it. You got to let your uh, convention know that they are out there and they're touring, and who knows, 
we might be able to get Tom and Paul out there. That's how it works, folks. So, anyway, let's go ahead and get to our first panel uh, highlight audio reel. And this is from Freakazoid. Uh, Freakazoid meets his makers. So let's go ahead and take a few minutes of that. My question uh, is a two-part question, and so it may apply, apply to at least one or both of you, gentlemen. Um, uh, first off, I would just want to ask Tom, uh, what was it like to work with, uh, because there were some great actors on Freakazoid, not just like uh, great voice actors, company right. present included, but then other people like the legendary Ed Asner. And I was curious, like, what was it like to work with Ed? And my second question goes to one or both of you. It's like, did you have the lines recorded separately, or did you have, like, most animation, or did you have them recorded together at any point? Yes. Uh, what I'm going to do, if you don't mind, uh, I think Paul can answer the Ed Asner question uh, uh, better than I because uh, remember the first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Ed, um, John McCann wrote our pilot, and John, John, by the way, who should be sitting here because he's like John is amazing, and John is one of the reasons Freakazoid is, in my opinion, very funny. Um, John wrote he liked to write cops and liked these cops, so he he wrote this one cop and Andrea Romano, our uh, our voice director, who's amazing. She said, well, I think I can get Asner for that. And we're like, well, uh, fine. And so Ed Asner came in, and I don't think he had seen the copy. He's looking at yeah, the screen. He's, he's looking. So we're all in. You know the way a voice uh, session is. There's a, there's, a, there's a room where all the actors are, and then there's the control room. We're all sitting in the control room. Ed was sitting alone by himself in the, in the room, and he's just looking at the script. And he's like, hey there, Frankenstein, you want to go get a mint? And he just read it like that, and we heard that, and we're like, stop, stop. And we're like, Ed, do that, do it like that. He goes, I, I wasn't acting. And we're like, that, that's what we want. So, so for the rest of, so then we're like, and once we heard him, once we saw the dynamic, we're like, that's it. So Ed would come in, he loved coming, because he didn't have to act or anything, he would just come in and go, hey, Freaky's like, you wanna go see your great hall of spackle? And, and, and uh, also the way we work, so this this segues into uh, question number two. Should I do question number two too? Yes, because it's uh, all the great voice actors. Right. So uh, the way it's done now is it's pretty much one person comes in and they do the voice, which as an actor is horrible because you have nobody to work off, and as a as a producer is horrible because you're like I don't know, I get my feeling uh, uh, like there's a bird on your head. You know, you just keep you just keep doing the lines and it's, and it's not fun. And, and it doesn't necessarily piece together later on either. Yeah. So what, what we did was we had the entire cast, when possible, which was for Freakazoid most of the time, same with Animaniacs. So we would have Ed Asner, Tim Curry, Jonathan Harris, um, uh, and everyone would sit there together and we would read it once as a, um, as a rehearsal. And then we would, we would, we would, we would do it. But uh, everyone would come in early because we would serve pizza at one. And so all the actors, like, you know, literally, like, we're talking about the Bond, um, Kenny, Dave, Mars. Kenny Mars, David Warner, who was doing, um, he was filming uh, Titanic at the, the, the mm -hmm. time. And they would all come in, they would eat pizza for like uh, an hour, and then Andre would come in and go, we're going to go record now. They'd go, ah, oh, come on, we're just having our pizza. Um, <laughs> but Ricardo Montalban, he would come in and say, this pizza's very good. <laughs> it's very good. Um, we had the best time, and the cast were really fun. Tim Curry came in once, was absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. 
What did he say? I think I think we have a clip. So yeah. if we have a clip of uh, Tim Curry as Doctor Mystico. I'm sorry if my method of introduction seemed a trifle ungracious. I have to be careful of those trying to spy on my work. <gasps> There's nothing to be afraid of, Mr. Loeb. I assure you the Orangu men are perfectly harmless, unless I bid them otherwise. Orangu men? Yes. By combining the orangutans, indigenous to this island, with humans, I've been able to create a new species of primate, more powerful than any on Earth. <laughs> they called me mad, insane, Wendell. They barred me from the universities until I had no choice but to flee here and conduct my research. Well, who's crazy now? Hmm? Who's mad now? <laughs> Try the casserole, Freakazoid, before it gets cold. I saw that. What? That. You think I've got a clock in my head, don't you? Whoa. What have you done with Longhorn and Cave Guy? Have patience. You'll be joining them soon enough. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of something funny. Uh, so I just got the uh, code tattooed. Uh, but I was wondering if there was oh any my word, reason. Is that even legal? What? As soon as you posted on Twitter, I kind of <laughs> Like two weeks later. Wow! But was there any reasoning behind the code, or is it just gibberish? No, it's uh, it's just gibberish. Because uh, well, first of all, when we were thinking about Freakzoid, how does Freakzoid become? How does it become Freakzoid? For like a month, when we were writing it, we couldn't figure it out. Because this isn't a show we developed, sort of given to us by. Because Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, you know, very very good guys. They they uh, they were working with Stephen on Freakzoid, and it was supposed to be. Kind of like, uh, you know, edgy and yet dark, and and um, Stephen was like, no, I want it to be crazy. So they sort of dropped out and said, you know, we, we don't really want to do this. And then it tried to Tom, and then an hour later, Tom was like, yes, what you're doing, Paul, and to me and John McCann. So John and I thought it was a real superhero show, because and we were like, we didn't want to write a superhero show because we we're like, we didn't that didn't understand that. So we were in our office trying, how does he become? And it was like, well, he's uh, it's there's a there's a garage door opener, and whenever there's a short in it, and whenever he presses that, it becomes freakazoid. And we went to Tom's office, and we go, we figured it out. He becomes freakazoid with the garage door opener. And Tom goes, I don't care. You guys obviously don't understand. We're trying to write this comedy show. I don't really care. So, so then we came up with the internet and all that stuff. And then it was like, well, we needed a MacGuffin. We needed a. a so I just typed it all out, and so what you have there on that you've tattooed there now permanently is a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> God bless. Okay. <laughs> that, that is so cool. I want a picture. But it is a bad job. Yes. I'll get a picture yes. we can get tomorrow. Uh, okay, awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. We've got to see that. So I, a question we get quite often whenever we do these panels, of course, is when are they going to do a season three? What's going on? We want to see what a reboot. Why? Now, have there have there ever been any talks of a, of a, a Freakazoid reboot of any sort or anything like that? There was about three years ago, and um, they reached out to me to see if I would uh, maybe write a script. And um, 
the person on the other end of the line said, you know, uh, you know, and and when Freakazoid shows up, you know, he does these fights and he, you know, for the kids and he does that fighting. And I was like, you, you've never watched this show. <laughs> and he said, no, I, I have. So anyway, that never quite quite worked. Um, I, I don't know that you could do it again. Um, I think the only way to ever do it again is to just have us pick up the next day. Even though, sadly, we've now lost Ed Asner, we've lost uh, David, Ricardo, Ricardo, David, uh, David Warner. Um, but uh, I just don't know what they would do with it. You know, I honestly don't know if it would just be. Well, it would. It would need to have uh, Paul Rudd. You know, totally wrapped into it. So that would be key. And I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, it's Wes Johnson's Voice of Palooza. This was a really fun event, and uh, what really made it special was that Tom Ruger was invited to take part in this. And as you and I know, Tom is not a voice actor, but that didn't stop Tom from going up there and participating. This was a very interesting and very funny uh, panel. Uh, because uh, it not only had Tom and Paul, but it had some uh, other voice actors that you might recognize as well. Joining us up there were Kyle Phillips, Monica Rial, and Emily Neves. And they got to do some, of course, and of course, Wes Johnson, who was leader of the, the group right there. But basically, it was an opportunity for them to read some scripts that were written by AI, which is very silly. And then they did some suggestions from the audience as well. Uh, but you're going to be able to hear Tom Ruger do something that he does not often do, which is voice acting. Uh, he has done voice acting, of course, in the past. But as we all know, he usually plays himself on cartoons, not <laughs> many other characters. So it was very funny to watch him, uh, you know, stretch and uh, bend and uh, act. Yes. Anyway, here it is. Uh, here's some highlights here from Voice of Palooza. Nice, nice. Uh, I am Wes Johnson. I am the voice of Shagara, Daedric, Prince of Madness, and Lucy and the Giants of the Dark Brotherhood, and Mo Cronin from Diamond City, a number of different characters of that nature. There. And uh, I am so proud to be up here with this panel of folks, and I'm pulling out the first one. Uh, let's see, what voice am I going to use this one for? How about Fox, the super mutant, who says, Ugh! Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Tom. Hi, I'm Tom Ruger. I don't do voices. Uh, I, I uh, created and, and worked on shows like uh, Animaniacs, uh, Pink in the Brain, Tiny uh, Toons, uh, Batman the Animated Series. So I'm going to do this uh, in the voice of uh, Quintra McGraw. <laughs> I know, it's really old, but I'll do it anyway. I'll be the pin around here, Baba Louie, and don't you forget it. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some baba beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> My name is Paul Rugg. Um, I, uh, I'm a writer uh, and voice actor, and I did the voice of Freakazoid in Shogun Freakazoid. I did the voice of Mr. Director in 
anime ads, Mr. Clown Man. Um, and I was also our teachers and pushing boots and other things. But anyway, I've chosen this one. Um, and I'm going to do it in the voice of, of Jerry Lewis, because <laughs> I'm just a fan of this. My brain is empty. There are no words that come to the surface for this situation. Performance anxiety is my underwear in a classroom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, on this one here, I need to know, uh, between Emily and Paul, who does the best Keanu Reeves impression? I think it's over there, Emily, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think I could maybe try. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And, and, and how is your, your Russian uh, mob accent there, Paul? I, I think it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, I think I can do that better. Fine. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, let us begin this. Uh, this is John Wick, chapter Portobello, as written by a bot. <laughs> We are once again, this is the second and final bot script we'll be doing here this evening. In the role of John Wick, it is Emily Neves. Thank you. And in the role of Big Mop Man, it's Paul Rugg. Shut up. Ladies and gentlemen, here we begin. The voice of Palooza players in John Wick. Chapter. Portobello. Exterior. Weapon City, John Wick, the retired murder man we like, <laughs> looks for his dog. Come here, dog. I love a live dog. <laughs> John sees Big Bob, John sees Big Mob Man shoot his dog into the afterlife. No! The dog was like my dead wife. Now it is dead, like my dead wife. I care not. My father is Mother Russia. <laughs> I am retired from being retired. John reaches into his mouth and pulls out a pistol. 59,000 mob men get out of a cool car and throw bullets at John. John guns 17,000 of them in the head. They hate that. Foolish. You should not have brought your heads. Foolish! A horse walks by. John grabs it and fires it like a gun. <laughs> oh, bad. He knows about horses. John tries to reload the horse, but he's hit by several cars. <laughs> the cars die. John lives more. He rolls near Big Mob Man. You are out oh, of... Oh, nope, that's oh, Mob Man. Sorry, <laughs> take your roll. John Wick, I'm going to take this line. <laughs> you are out of horse, Mr. Dog. John throws the horse and it explodes, killing 21,000 Mob Men. The horse lives and goes back to its job as a horse. <laughs> Big Mob Man and John punch and kick until their blood is tired. Fight it out, you two. Hey, Nanuda! I got this little kitty, I'm hurting you. I'm devastating you. Ah. All right, all right. Let's build a truce. Take present. Big mob man grabs a dog. 
from the dog store and gives it to John. Oh, okay. I love a live dog. Bye. John holds dog and walks home. Big mob man pulls a gun out of his ear and points it at John's back. But John knows all ear tricks. John turns, aims dog at big mob man and fires. <laughs> the end. <laughs> big mob man. So now we now we've got the freakazoid and big mob man that you'll be known for here, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Now let us do that is two of those in a row. Let's go ahead and do a palate cleanser. Paul, if you could reach in and grab a card. Pick a card, any card, and any All voice. Right. All right. There. I have a card. Alright. I'm gonna do it in the voice of Dark Lord Chuckles the Silly Piggy, which was a show I did. <clears throat> is that what I do now? Yes. All right, good. I was I was confused. I was gone for a while. Here we go. Why the wrong face? Somebody stole your sweet roll? I don't understand it. <laughs> Someone out there right now was very happy. <laughs> uh, back to the Hanna-Barbera voices. I'm going to try Yogi Bear here. Hey, uh, boo -boo boy, I'm not good at advice. Can I interest you in a sarcastic comment? <laughs> There's a, a very old movie called My Man Godsey, and uh, a fellow named Eugene Paulette played the father in that movie, and he was one of the great character actors of his day, and I really can't quite get to his voice, but I'll try. I feel pretty. <laughs> Oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and bright. And I pity any girl who isn't me tonight. I feel charming. Oh, so charming. It's alarming how charming I feel. And so pretty that I hardly can believe I'm real. See the pretty girl in the mirror there? Who can that attractive girl be? Such a pretty face, such a pretty dress, such a pretty smile. Smile. Sorry. <laughs> Such a pretty me. I felt the beauty. That was, uh, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm, I never get to do this voice, so I'm going to do it now, because it's uh, Bing Crosby. You guys don't know who Bing Crosby is, but he was there. Sweet dreams are made of this. <laughs> Where am I to disagree? I traveled the world in the seven seas. Everybody's looking for something. Some of them want to use you. Some of them want to get used by you. Some of them want to abuse you. Some of them want to be abused. We dreams are made of this. Where am I to disagree? I traveled the world in the seven seas. Everybody's looking for something. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Voice of Palooza. Let's hear it for Donald Phillips, Monica Rial, Emily Lee, Tom Ruger.
And finally, we had an Animaniacs 30th anniversary celebration panel. Uh, this one was, uh, we, we started off w- with uh, what we usually like to do, which is singing the credits. But as, uh, I mean, not, not the credits, the opening theme song, I should say. We sang the opening theme song. And as you're going to find in this clip, uh, the computer or the internet or both uh, was a little bit delayed. So I had a very comedic uh, timing right there at the end of this, which really got a a good uh, reaction from the audience. Uh, so here's some highlights of this. Uh, again, just a, we had a really big crowd for this one. And it was great to see so many Animaniacs fans there just reliving highlights of the show and how much they loved it. So here's some highlights of the Animaniacs panel. Uh, I think before we should start is we should all stand up. And we have to make sure we all do this. Because a very important theme song to sing together. Okay? <laughs> this is something called the Animaniacs theme song. Okay? So everyone stand up and them have and if everything works like it should, and we know the audiovisual may not work like it should. We should have the theme song here. And if you forgot, if you don't know the words, you forgot the words, they should also be down there at the bottom, okay? Are we ready? Let's see. Here we go. Let's see if it works. It's time for Animaniacs. And we're saying to the max. Presents, and I, mean, I said, No, I, we need characters that are marking in. 
And so he was threatening to put Plucky Duck at the center of it. And I love Plucky, but we were like burned out on Tiny Toons. We had made a lot of, 98 Tiny Toons. It was like, oh, please give us a break. So uh, the marquee came. I was walking across the lot, and I saw the water tower. And on the water tower is the WB emblem. And well, there's Warner Brothers, that's the, and then I realized, oh, the Warner Brothers, they can live in the tower, that can be their house, Warner Brothers house, and so that became the marquee name, Warner Brothers, and so Warner. we had to actually go to the Warner family, you'd think, you'd think yeah, Warner Brothers would own the name, but <laughs> we had to go to the Warner Brothers family, the estate of Jack Warner, uh, we all love Jack Warner, and uh, they had to sign off, and uh, so proposed that to Stephen, and he he bought it. He thought, "Wow, you really worked hard to get a marquee name. I, I give you credit for that." And so, uh, among the very first things we did, uh, we wrote a Stroh Bible, and uh, Rich Aaron's headed up the crew uh, of animators and artists, who then spent probably a month uh, or more just doing all of these uh, run and walk cycles that you'll see on all the characters. You'll see that some of the characters are not even in their final model stage. They're really, you know, just, like she, she uh, Minerva, for instance, you know, that's not her final model. She, she became uh, more Zofton. No, she didn't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's the very beginning of the show. And then writing, as you know, is very important on the show. Uh, but we also had incredible board artists who had been on Tiny Tunes. We had just great directors, and we had uh, great voice actors. We, uh, we we had Rob Paulson for Yakko, who uh, we we kind of uh, what did do. Uh, we we sent in auditions that were just numbered. We didn't tell Stephen who the the actors were. We just we had one through ten Yakko, uh, and so we had. Theoretically, ten actors trying out for the voice of Yakko, and Stephen was going to choose which he liked best. But on that one, we, we four of them were Rob Paulson, like one, <laughs> three, and seven. And, uh, I like three and seven, and oh, good, because they're both Rob. So, uh, Tress, I think we sent uh, for 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 Dot's voice. I think we sent in Tress. Uh, it was very simple. But uh, Yakko was tricky. We couldn't get anyone to do Yakko. It was all, everyone was doing, like, well, oh, Yakko, I'm uh, Wacko, excuse me. Everyone's doing Wacko, really, Wacko, I'm Wacko. And it was just like torture. And so uh, one day we did auditions. I had a, a, a World Almanac, and I was going through the names in the World Almanac because they always have like celebrity session. So I got to the Beatles. And we had this new guy, we hadn't worked with him before ever, he was brand new, it was like the last audition of the day, we said, okay, uh, Je Jess Hardell, is it? No, Jess Hardell, dude. And uh, do you do any of the Beagles? And he says, which one? Because uh, he does them all. And uh, so we picked his uh, Ringo, and uh, he, that was the, the incarnation of Wacko's voice. And we didn't know why he was from England, but he was. <laughs> So let me ask you real quick, Tom. We're looking at these these uh, pictures right here, the Warners, and they, the model. I know you said the models were different. There's something that's missing on these characters right here, and that's their tufts of their whiskers kind of thing on the side. Why were those added? 
Uh, I'm going to let Paul Rugg uh, take over. The, the, there was a, something with Bob Daly uh, at the head of the studio. Yes. Yeah. So um, the the week what the week we were going to premiere? Right. Well, the, no, it was the, a little before then. A little before then, we um, right we had the water tower. Right. And we uh, we commissioned these huge, massive, gigantic uh, yakawako dots, inflatable, to be put on the water tower. And they were like thirty feet high. Yeah, very big. Very big. Um, anyway, uh, one day, Bob Daly, who was the president of uh, Warner Brothers, along with Terry Samuel, he was walking, he used to walk like this. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, he was walking down a lot like this. And he looked up, and he wondered why um, uh, Mickey, Mouse, uh, Mickey Mouse was on his water tower. <laughs> and uh, I think calls were quickly made to Stephen. I don't know why Mickey Mouse is on his water tower. And uh, the next thing you know... Uh, I think he actually called Disney and said, he called son of a bitch is what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you put Disney on the water tower? And then Disney was like, yeah, well, why, why is Mickey on your water <laughs> That's odd. I think there's some changes that need to be made. Now, Tom, we're going to pick up the story. Gene uh, uh, McCurdy, our boss, yeah. uh, the head of uh, the president of our division, gets called. Uh, uh, get over here with Ruger. Uh, we have some talking to do. So uh, I think Daly ordered the crew there at, at the Warner's lot to pop the yakko balloon. The yakko balloon was up there. Pop to get that thing up there. And so he had talked to Disney. It wasn't Disney. And he said, uh, much to my surprise, Gene, I found that uh, this balloon was part of your show, right? This this uh, Animaniacs. And uh, so, well, yeah, we were, you know, for promotional purposes, and said, well, uh, you know, this is very embarrassing to me uh, because I had to call Disney and I embarrassed myself and the studio. So, uh, why does Mickey Mouse look so much alike? So, uh, they had us add right there on the spot, you know, we had a drawing of, uh, you know, just horrible, but there, there, there's, there's Yakko, right? So, he said, and I had the drawings of the and he took the drawing and he went like this. Uh, you can see I, I put whiskers over here. <laughs> and he said, I need whiskers. I need whiskers on all of them now so they don't look like Mickey Mouse. And so we had these shows in the can, as they say, and we had to send them all back to have uh, whiskers added. So in all the shows, the first, first two weeks, you can probably look for, you might see an occasional scene where they don't have whiskers. Uh, but. That was the president of our company. <laughs> just, just so you know what we were up against. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, those, those 440 feet of figurines uh, can be found at Burning Man, believe it or not. Uh, someone found them. Have you seen them? No, yes. I have not. They are now, uh, they've probably been burned. But uh, <laughs> but they were yeah someone someone bought them surplus and Fabulous. they are at the entrance of Burning Man just so you know there you go boom yeah boom <laughs> well okay well let's go and get some questions from the audience yes sir um uh, something I always was wondering then why is Yakko voiced almost exactly like Groucho Marx because he is Groucho Marx <laughs> no honestly. Honestly, when we when when I got the, the Bible, when I came aforward, it was like the best way to to for Tom to explain who the characters were. It was the Marx brothers, and um, and and you know when you're writing and stuff, you you always take your influences, and and certainly the Marx brothers, especially um, uh, uh, Groucho, 
uh, is very similar to Yakko. So there's that, your boom. That's why. And if like and if and if you listen to uh, one of the first recordings we made was, you know. He made uh, Roll Over Beethoven, that was his first script. John McCann's first script was Dracula, Dracula. And what, that was one of the first episodes we recorded. And if you listen carefully, you'll hear Yakko very, uh, more than like all the rest of the episodes, he, he sounds more like Groucho in that one. He really does some real sort of uh, attitudinal Groucho stuff. Yeah, so that was our starting place. But then, if you watch the series, that slowly morphs, and, and then Yakko becomes his own. But that, that was certainly our start, starting place. Good question. Thank you. That's $20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. A little, a little more applause right now. Yeah, a little more applause. <laughs> Sorry, equipment problems. Um, First of all, thank you. you. The show came on when I was in college, and about 10 of us would sit in my single door room at 4 o'clock, and then at 4.28, as the credits rolled, we'd run to choir rehearsal, which started at 4.30. Speaking of music, you talked about your wonderful cast and how to cast your main characters. How did you get Bernadette Peters? Yes. Uh, uh, I think Stephen's name was very influential. <laughs> Bernadette had a, a, a film career going at that point, and uh, our, our voice director and cast, uh, voice caster, uh, Andrea Romano, uh, as, as she would say to Paul and me on a number of occasions, where Paul would say, oh, you know, Ricardo Montalban would be great, you know, she would say things like, I think I can get it. And so, uh, Andrea was the one who said, I, I love Bernadette Peters. I think she'd be great. I think we'd be great having her. I think Stephen would love it. And so she pursued that. And and we knew Rita was going to sing, and we were like, yeah, that'd be fat. Are you kidding me? So, uh, yeah, I think the negotiations, negotiations went very smoothly. Uh, uh, Bernadette would come out uh, on recording days. She'd come out, fly out from New York the day before, uh, she'd show up early, and she didn't. She hadn't really listened to the songs. She would just say, "Okay, what what am I doing today?" And she would be there for a long time. And Julie Bernstein, our our good friend who uh, scored lots of things for us, she would sit there with Bernadette and Julie can sing beautifully, and they would figure out the song basically. I mean, it was written already, and the music was ready, and the tracks were ready. But what Bernadette does to a song isn't the same as what you or I would do. You know? So, was Rita created before you cast her or after you cast her? I'm sorry. Uh, Did you create Rita after casting Bernadette? Or no, we, uh, Sherry had uh, written Rita. Rita and Run, before Yakko Wakko and Dot uh, existed, uh, Sherry was saying, maybe Rita and Run are the hosts. So, they were, they were a little different early on. Uh, so, and we didn't have uh, Bernadette's voice in mind. Yeah, that's right. You guys, you, you, you did it right there, so it's perfect. That applause was a little wimpy, but it's good. Woo! <laughs> hey, delayed.
Hello there again. Uh, already talked to you like two, three times already, but like I said so many times, you're, all three of your shows, oh, so many of your shows had a huge inspiration to me when I was a kid, especially in Maniacs. That really opened my eyes to the world. Like, Tiny Toons was there, right? Like, when I was a baby, like, I would never remember Tiny Toons to this day, the first early on, because I was literally born on the year Tiny first came out. Anyway, Animax came on right when I was like two, three years old, and that really popped, opened my eyes to just the world cartoon, so it made me who I am, for the better, of course. <laughs> I would say a good, crude, sarcastic, nonchalant humor came from Animaniacs, but I'm proud of that, I'm proud of that. See, it was his pride right there. <laughs> so, anyway, um, like I even told you, did the video of me, I named all the characters, sorry, 95% of the characters uh, on the show. Yes. And, like I said, I have a hard time focusing, but when it came to Animaniacs, I knew every character by heart. <laughs> but, like, what was your inspiration? Like, what led you to create so many characters for a show? Like, you would have so many cartoons with so many, you know, sh so many shorts with all these different characters. And yet, you know, you always had Yakko, Yakko Wacko, and Dot in there, but you still threw in the hippos, slap the squirrel, all that. I'll tell you what. We, what, what I found was we had, honestly, the, the greatest writing staff in cartoons Ever. Oh, and so, the best voice cast too, by the way. <laughs> right, but it wasn't just, it was Paul, it was John McCann, it was Sherry Stoner, it was uh, Nick Hollander, Peter Hastings, uh, I, I know I'm, uh, Deanna. Deanna Oliver, I'm, and I'm forgetting, there's Charlie Howell, Gordon Brown. So, the reason there are probably so many fun uh, additional characters, everybody had an idea, and we, we did have these uh, group meetings, we didn't write in these group meetings. We got together and said, what, anybody uh, have a new character idea? And, and Peter would say, well, we'll do, let's do hippos. Let's do, and yeah. we had uh, Mitten and, and Eddie Fitzgerald were next door plotting to take over the studio. Yeah. So we said, let's make them Pinky in the Brain. And, yeah. Uh, oh, God, I love Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> so really, it had a lot to do with the unique personalities of the writing staff and the other creative team. And they all had ideas. And we said, we didn't want this show to be just two things, we wanted it to be everybody's thing. Exactly, like, everyone here, I'm sure, can take, you know, Yaku Waku Dogs, their favorite, or Pinky the Brain, but I think everybody can say they love every one of those characters from whether it's their highest or lowest favorite, they still love them. Well, so. thank you, Jordan. Thank yeah. you. Uh, let's give Jordan a hand. Thank you very much. Thank you again for my childhood. You my heart. Thank you. Hi. Hey. I'm Polo. Polo. Uh, you, uh, two things. One, you may remember you told me the story of pitching Pinky and the Brain to Steve Spielberg. Yes. I thought maybe you could tell that to everyone else here if you haven't. Um, and two, I wanted to know if you had anything involved with it. Uh, my favorite episode is uh, King Yakko. It, it, I adore it so much. I wanted to know if you had any stories behind that one. Uh, Paul will take the King Yakko thing. I'll take the Pinky and the Brain thing. Yeah. Uh, I'll go Pinky Brain real quick. Uh, we uh, we went to Stevens. This is when we're pitching the show. I mean, this sounds sounds sort of corny and crazy, but we went to his home. The one time I've been in his home, except for all those big parties that he invited. Us. <laughs> and uh, uh, breakfast. We had breakfast. We had cookies and milk for breakfast. I don't know. Cookies were seem weird, but that's what we had. It was on a Saturday morning. And uh, Stephen was sitting there in this living room, very nice, and we had stand-ups of all these different characters uh, of, that would ultimately be on, on, on Maniacs. And he was going thumbs up, thumbs down on things. So uh, an early one that went thumbs down was uh, Mindy and Buttons. So we have too many duos here, I don't want that one. But he had, you know, the, there was a Warners, uh, there was Slappy Squirrel. So I got to uh, these two mice, 
and I sang the song. I don't know. You do it. All right. Uh, the theme song, which you know the words to, but I sang it because we didn't have the melody then. I sang it to the tune of Singing in the Rain. So I went, there, Help me with that. They're pinky in the brain. Pinky in the brain. One is a genius, the other is insane. They're laboratory mice. They're genius, that's heavy spice. They're pinky, they're pinky in the brain. So I. So Stephen listened to that, he took a beat and he said, sold. <laughs> uh, Peter Hastings, our pal and great writer, uh, King Yanko and, and Paul. Yeah, yeah, so so that was Peter's that was Peter's baby. He um uh, we were all big fans of, of, of movies and old movies and uh, uh, and and Peter was just doing his I think the only thing I added to that was Perry Com Coma. Uh, was the yeah was the was the character to make um, But yeah, that was all Peter, and he he worked that. Uh, he also Peter is a musician, so that whole uh, let the animals ring that 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 was Peter in his room. Literally, uh, he went to the Berkeley School of Music. I mean, so so that was uh, yeah, that was one hundred percent Peter, except for. Um, <laughs> uh, one more, my favorite, and Paul actually performed this on the series as Mr. Clown. And if you would, Paul, uh, entertain us with this oh, incredible God. song. <clears throat> a dramatic pause here. When the whippoorwill whippers in the wind, the wind can't whip it back. Oh, nice and chubby, baby. There you go, thank you. So my question is more about... Oh, hi, by the way. My, my question is more about Steven Spielberg. Oh, who? All of his things. Oh, him, yeah. So I you guys it. did a lot of, of parodies of movies, and, you know, Disney was big because Sherry Stoner did some work for Disney with Little Mermaid and so forth. Were there any parodies that, you know, you had a list going down that um, you can parody this or you cannot parody versus the other things, you know? I don't, think, I, I don't think there was a list of things we couldn't do. I mean, uh... Right? Yeah, no, no, we, we pretty much did whatever we wanted. I mean, we even did a parody of Apocalypse Now, which the kids ate. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah. I mean, Paul did, we were mentioning yesterday, a Freakazoid panel, uh, he did a parody of a 1959 movie, The Crawling Eye, yeah. uh, on Freakazoid, which, again, uh, the kids, more Crawling Eye stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, but Steve, Stephen was always very, like, because he's a filmmaker and he loved movies, he could tell you every movie ever, 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 ever made. We knew that he would pretty much be be down for us to do anything like that. He loved that stuff. So. I remember we were doing the Pinky and Brain series at one point, uh, the primetime thing, and, and we did a parody of The Third Man. It was set in, in like Austria or Germany, and, and it really was a fairly close black and white parody of The Third Man, which is, uh, uh, anyway, it's a Norson Wells movie. And, and I remember he wrote me a note. He said, you know, honestly, the children can't possibly know what you're doing. <laughs> 
guys have a favorite of a particular parodies that you guys have done? I do. Yeah. I've, 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 my favorite, uh, well, no, I have two. One was the Apocalypse Now, but the one that, that makes me giggle still is um, uh, Super Strong Warner Siblings, which was a parody of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was, oh, yeah. which was sort of like just beginning and, and like it was just take, taken off, and we were like, let's cut them down just a little bit. <laughs> and so, and it was just, and we even had Frank Walker come in and they even sort of did that very energetic sort of accent, huh? Yes, uh huh, uh huh, and it was like, uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I have uh, two quick ones, uh, both not direct parties, but they reference uh, movies that we all love, like uh, Sherry Stoner wrote Bumby's Mom with, with uh, Slappy Squirrel, and they have, they have poor Skippy gets very traumatized, and they go, Me, Bumby's Mom is still alive, living in a trailer park in Arizona. Um, and then I also really enjoyed something called Critical Condition, where Two uh, TV critics, uh, Siskel and Ebert, parodies. They criticize Slappy's. Uh, and this is the most disgusting gag in the entire series. There you go, Shamu. You want artificial butter flavoring on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. All right, then. Doesn't cost extra. Artificial butter? Nah, it's cheap stuff. Really? What's it made of? Ah, uh, it's just lard. That white goes sucking thing out of your gut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. Oh, yeah. um, oh, that was the 90s. Thank you. Thanks. That is <laughs> more, more applause. <laughs> And that pretty much does it for Twin Cities Con. Um, again, it was a blast. I uh, I did have a Juicy Lucy. Uh, that is, of course, the number one thing that people told me to do. And uh, the only thing I really got from it, other than a wonderful experience, was a case of the con crud. So <laughs> I do apologize for the lateness of this uh, uh, post, <laughs> of our posting for th- this episode got a little bit it was just a cold uh pretty bad cold but it was still a cold not covid thank goodness knock on wood as far as i know still have not gotten covid so hooray i'm dodging that bullet for as long as i can but anyway let's go ahead and wrap things up if you'd like to uh subscribe to us on any podcast player well do so please do and go ahead and see us on animaniacast.com to see our retro zap archives we're proud member of the retro zap podcast network and of course you can follow my co-hosts nathan and kelly uh nathan's Django ft on twitter and uh kelly is on threads and twitter with uh, yoda princess so check her out over there well, that'll do it for today's episode so for nathan kelly tom and paul good night everybody
This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. 